The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Fowdy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. Lynn, I am so beyond excited as our guest this week is my all-time favorite, the one, the only, Billy Jean King. I will go ahead and set the scene for this episode. Every year, the Women's Sports Foundation, which Billy founded in 1974, hosts a big gala fundraiser in New York City, and Julie hosts it, hostess with the mostess. Mm -hmm. The day before the gala, the Women's Sports Foundation holds a conference for female athletes and changemakers, and we did a live podcast with Billie Jean King as part of that conference. For OG members of the Dope Village, you will remember we did this back in 2019, and we'd like to thank Olga Harvey of the Women's Sports Foundation for once again extending this invitation to us. And Billie Jean, or the Kinger, as I call her, is a capital L legend, as you know. She's a capital H human, capital G gift to all of us. And she, of course, had a phenomenal tennis career in the 60s and 70s, winning 39 Grand Slam titles. But beyond her prowess on the court, the legacy of the Kinger is all she's done off of it. 50 years ago, she famously beat Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes, which had an estimated television audience of, I don't think anyone's ever going to guess this, 90 million people. Moreover, Billy has dedicated her life to being a champion for gender equality and social justice in sports and in life. And in 2009, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. And as you'll hear in this episode, the Kinger's mark is all over women's sports. That's right. The Kinger is in the house. So get comfortable listening. It's Billie Jean King. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by... Watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV by going to women's sporting events in person by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. 
So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. We uh, are thrilled to be here. I am thrilled to be with. I don't call her Billie Jean, I call her the Kinger, uh, because she is the king of everything. Um, and a little history and context first on on our relationship, maybe, real quick. I'm gonna well, give the, the sports fan, you were at the gala. You were yeah, I can't, saloon, I've come, were you? I've come for years at the gala, but sitting with Billie 30 years ago, and she was explaining how women's tennis broke away from men's tennis, and I was sitting there as a young 20-some-year-old with the U.S. soccer team trying to fight a similar fight, and I just sat there and listened to her tell her story, and I just kept going, oh, my God, this is our story, and this is what she's telling me is our story. And after I was done, I was like, Billy, this is our story. And if you've heard this story before, I, I kind of apologize, but I don't really. You're going to hear it again. Uh, and I said, Billy, this is our story. What do we do? How do we do this? And she looked at me, and she goes, what are you doing about it? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, we're trying, we're trying really hard, but um, she said, you, you the players, you have the power, go in there and change things. And literally the next day I was flying in to meet with US soccer, the entire national team was coming together and we were supposed to sign another $10 a day contract where we got nothing and we were supposed to be grateful for it. And I said to the team, oh, hell no, because Billy told us we couldn't do it. <laughs> What happened? The Kinger said, and they were like, that's right. And so literally that day meeting Billy was the catalyst. Now it took some time to get there. We were fighting for equitable pay back in the day. Obviously the current iteration of this national team is fighting for equal pay. That was the start of our equal pay fight was the Kinger. But if you all, as you all do, if you were to peruse through the history of women's sports, there is one thing that stands out loud and clear, right? And it is that the Kinger is the thread that weaves through all of women's sports history in this country. And it's crazy because you've either built it, you've willed it to, to exist, you've kept it together, you've kept people together. I mean, just across, not obviously tennis, but all that you've done in every single women's sports category uh, is amazing. And what we would like to do today is take a little walk through history past present and future, if you are so willing. We're going to uh, give you three you, dates. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. You, you got your shoes on, so shall we take this walk? Let's Go do it. it. What's the worst thing that happened? I say I don't know. <laughs> That's right. We're going to start in the past. We're going to take it back, Billy, to September 9th, 1972. On this day, you defeat... She goes... I think I know. Go ahead. <laughs> Australia's <laughs> Carrie Melville... Reese. Six two seven five to win your third U.S. Open title. I knew she I won. She shrugged. I knew I won, but I didn't know how many. I don't count. Doesn't I don't count. spend a lot of time on that. So that year, you received ten thousand dollars in prize money, whereas the Eli Nastasi won twenty five thousand dollars in prize money. Correct. 
What did you think of that, that year? Well, you have to understand we're in our second year of women's professional tennis in 1972. We had our first tour in 71. And then the USTA started another tour against us. So now we had two tours. We divided the top players, which I said we cannot do. Never, ever, ever let the top players divide, okay? Have to be together. And so I'm sitting there with the media. And we used to get a lot of media. You know, in those days, we didn't have social media. Um, and I was getting really steamed up inside, trying to be very polite, though. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I said, I just blurted it out. I went, we're not coming back here next year. I, I, the girls and I, I probably said girls or women. I should have said women, but are, we're not coming back next year. And internally, I'm thinking, what have you done? <laughs> because you have not talked to one other player. <laughs> this could be a huge mistake. But I said, I'm going to stick to it. It's my job to convince them. So anyway, I said, we're not coming back next year. And that was big news back then, when we're not coming back. And I went to see the women, and I go, you guys, I said this, is it okay? Please tell me it's okay. And they go, yeah, we're with you, let's go. I thought, oh, they're great. You know, it's, it's about we, it's not about I. Julie and I have had this discussion before. I find the two ge first generations, it's we, and then by the third generation, it starts to become I. Mm -hmm. So just think about that when you listen to interviews, you listen to things. If you're doing interviews, uh, I think it's really important to say we and us, not I, if possible. So as an individual, you finally just stood up for your group so to say... That, but here's the reason it worked, because my former husband and I own tournaments. So I understood the other side. I understood the business side of tennis. And I knew that if I could get a sponsor, and, they, and the USTA didn't have to go out and get a sponsor, mm -hmm. if I could bring a sponsor, then they're going to have a lot harder time saying we're not going to do it. So I went and talked to, and this is all about relationships. I went to different sponsors that I knew and asked them Together, or one of you, or any of you, would you, would you even think about getting us equal prize money, make up the difference in the total prize money? And they were nice, and they listened, and I thought, oh boy, that's going to go over big. Not, But Bristol Myers came up to me and said, we want to do the whole thing. So I was able to go tell the tournament director, Billy Talbert, who was a great player, who I admired, that we had the money. And when I said we have the money, he went, Really? He got very quiet. He says, I'll get back to you. And I knew when he said, I'll get back to you, that we had a chance. And fast forward to July of 73, he, he announced it. I thought the USTA board had passed it. Not at all. We've never been able to find any minutes or anything. So Billy Talbert took it upon himself to just announce it and make it happen. So I really thank him for that. Uh, but that's to announce that it was equal pay. Now, this year is the 50th anniversary of equal prize money for men and women at the U.S. Open. Coco Goff made her $3 million just like, just like the, the male. Who won? Djokovic. Yeah. His, 24, the his Joker. 24th, the Joker, yeah, 24th major for him, that's all. <laughs> the, the next one he wins, it'll be a, it'll be a record because Margaret Court's at 24. Wow. That's a whole other discussion. But the, the amazing thing to me is that you were brave a half century before brave was even cool. <laughs> like you, you look at, look at the, 
beyond obviously equal pay at us open which they celebrated a lot we have the formation of wta you have battle of the sexes that's a you big year of this year yeah. 50 years ago was on i I, th right. I didn't really appreciate it until this year how did you have this bravery and this vision to take the leap before you knew you could even fly well first of all i want the men and women to be together i'm always big on the men and women doing things together and i went to the men in 68 69 70 no they didn't want to do anything. So we had to do it ourselves. That's how it all started. So I said, okay, if they won't do that, the second best thing is for us to have our own organization, our own association. We're independent contractors, so we can't, we can't be a union, but that's our union. But you as a soccer player, you can have a union. All right, let's fast forward to the present. October 11th. 2023. Here we are together in a room. You've got all these collegiate professional athletes in this room, change makers, the eve of the Women's Sports Foundation Gala. What does right now mean to you? Well, my brain's always in the future, but right now, um, I'm really thrilled that we announced the ice hockey, the hockey league in yeah. Toronto not too long ago. Um, Slow clap for Billy. No, not for me. I'm going to tell you who. It was a player. No. Similar no. to your story. Kendall Coyne, who's the fastest skater. She's five foot two. And she came to us, to Lana and me. And Angela Ruggiero gave her our information, who was the, the queen in nine, what the 98 Olympics, I think. And she came up to Lana and me, and she said, would you help us? Would you help me? I say, what do you want? She goes, we want a league where all the top players will play. They had a league, but they weren't, the top players were not playing. And they had their own reasons. And so Lana and I said, yeah, we'll try to help you. So that was a five-year endeavor, and we never stopped working on that. And when we, we talked to the players for the first time, the first question I asked, are you together? Do you have an association or a union? And they said, no. So that was number one. And Ilana really helped them get that organized. It's amazing how hard it is to get things organized and get everyone on board. But that happened. And because they stayed together, that's the reason we have a league. Yeah. And you, I mean, I, I know these hockey players well. Like, you and Ilana lived it every day with yeah, them. Ilana I mean, particularly. You, Let's you you were in it. To. Oh, we're in it. If you're in it, we're, I mean, if you're going to do something, you've got to be in it 24-7. You've you got to constantly think about it, make, and you've got to meet people. You've got to create events. You've got to create things. We did a, you know, a gap tour. We invested a lot in that just to get them by because they have to keep competing. Um, it was important. You know, we tried to listen. And then we're really lucky because um, Mark Walter and his group were willing to invest. I mean, this is millions and millions, I mean, lots of money, hundreds of millions, okay? And without Mark, and the difference now is that men want to invest in women's sports. Mm. And when I was around, you know, my, you know, 50 years ago, nobody really wanted to, except some sponsors sometimes. But to really get it organized and start it from scratch and all that, that's rough. And, it, you know, it's in now to invest in women's sports, which yeah. is great. I mean, I have waited my whole life for this. 
Billy, I was thinking that you might be the most approachable icon ever, mm. that you are not afraid <laughs> to roll up those sleeves, get not in the yet. muck. How accessible do you make yourself to someone like Kendall Coyne or back in the day, a Julie Foudy, when you know they're in a fight? I think you have to be there 24-7 or else you've got to be available at least. I don't know, Julie, you probably can talk on this better than I can. Well, the, and, and, you know, I was telling uh, the Kinger before we were here, I said, the amazing thing is, is when she came to me that day and said, what are you doing about it as players? And prompted me and was the catalyst behind our team going, yeah, what are we doing? Is that you didn't say to me, good fucking luck. It's really hard. <laughs> As most icons would be like, good luck, you got this, and then you'd never hear from them again. <laughs> Thumbs up, you good? Right, you were like, li literally, Billy would check in monthly, and would be like, I'd be like, Kinger, or I no, call I'd her. I'd be pushing you. Yeah. What have you done so far? Mm, have you said yeah. no to anything? Because here's one of the first questions. You have to be willing to, to give up something to get something. I said, are you willing to give up the Olympics? Are you willing oh, to give wow. up the world championships? Wh what are you willing? Because you have to yeah. have leverage. I wow. said, do you have anything that has leverage? And those are the two things you gave me right off the bat. We had this debate of like, when do we get the younger kids on board with oh, us? Remember that? that's number one. Yeah. Okay, number one. Yeah. I said, Julie, <laughs> if you go in and do this, you have to have the next generation of superstars at least. And you want more than just your superstars. And she went, oh, okay. I said, can you get them? That's the main thing I asked you. Can you get them? And you said, yes. And so what happened in your meeting? So we, we scheduled a conference call with all the parents of these young kids that we knew were on the youth national teams outside of U.S. soccer knowing we were doing this. And we told them what they were doing. And we asked them, not in the beginning, we asked them at the very end, right before an Olympics, can you stand with us? And so when we went into negotiate... Because if, if they... If you didn't go to the Olympics, who's going to go? Oh, this they already, next group. But they think they've already got the next group in their head. Yeah. Because yeah. they think these guys are old. They yeah. don't need them. We'll get, oh, fine. You go ahead. We'll take the next group. And what happened? So U.S. soccer said when we're negotiating with them, well, fine. We'll just take the under 23s. And we go, Mia, <laughs> Mia Ham and I were sitting across the table. And we go, nope, we've got the 23s. They're with us. Okay, fine. We'll take the 21s. We go, nope, we've got them too. <laughs> okay, we'll take the 19s. Nope, we got them too. You can go to the 17s. We haven't hit them yet. Kinger, right I'm there. I'm you, it's major. You had them. You, they, yeah. What did they do? But they again, turn, like you're, you were accessible. You, you were there. You're in the trenches, like doing the work. I mean, look at this summer. Look at this summer, for example. Billy's at Wimbledon. As we know, it's in England. You're in Australia at Women's World Cup. Yeah. You're then at the draft for the Women's Hockey League in Canada in September. Correct. So as you're at each of these things, I'm like, holy shit, I cannot keep up with this woman. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you seeing when you're in that moment in terms of where women's sports is in its current iteration? Well, women's sports is the best place it's ever been, but it's mm -hmm. still so far to go. I mean, we only get 5% of the media, and that's where all the money is. That's why we don't make the big bucks. That's why it's really important. Um, I still think it's important to talk to media. I know you've got your own social outlets and all that, but I still think it's really important to talk to media. The thing I always think about is these people are trying to make a living just like anybody else in the world. And for some reason, athletes and 
They think, I don't need them anymore. I know, but they're trying to make a living, you guys. They're trying to do what you're mm. doing. How can you not kind of share with each other? I still think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because the longer we've done this podcast, sometimes the harder it is yes. to get guests. And it's that a mutual appreciation. But to your point, knowing that you're going to be in Australia at a World Cup final and there's going to be a camera that's going to find you in the crowd that the media is looking for you too. And just your presence, the power of that, that Billie Jean King would go to Australia for the World Cup final that U.S. isn't even in it, but you're there. Well, I care about it, and I think it's because of my relationship with Julie. It goes all the mm. way back to seeing the struggles that you went through, and also it's about the world, and the world is now caught up with the U.S., and that's exactly what happened in tennis. Mm. We started in the United States, Facts. but the whole world's caught up now, and now it's going to be tougher for the U.S., I think, than ever to um, yes. continue to... Be near the top, even. All right. November 22nd, 2043. You are 100 years young, Billie Jean King. What does women's sports look like in 20 years? I haven't... I, if you give me some time, I can think about that. But <laughs> I, if I had to just I'm sorry, start... sorry, don't have time. If Time's I had to up. start visualizing now <laughs> that all these leagues will be bigger than life and be totally global, but we'll have other women's sports and we'll be making... A lot more money, but also what I think we can do off the court, off the court, sorry if I say court, off the whatever, field, court, swimming pool, whatever. Um, I like to think about us as um, each one of us as a catalyst to change the world to make it a better place, not just in our sport, but what we do outside of our sport. And because we've been given this platform, it's a really, it's a blessing. And this platform, in 43 or whatever he said, is going to be huge. And the women will be making equal money at work, I hope. We get 2% of philanthropic um, money now. I think that should be 50-50 by then. But it's not going to happen unless each one of you make it happen. And that means what you do this generation will affect the next generation. And we do have to pass it down. And we have to encourage others. And we have to think in terms of we. And we, and we all have to be together in this, in this fight. Um, Paralympians, just everybody have equal opportunity and, and be able to be the best they can be. And each person is so valuable. You're so valuable. You're so important. Not only to your own lives to believe in yourself, which I hope you do, but what you can do, and I tell you, the more you give, at least I've found with my life, I, don't, I never thought about it that much, but the more I get. I mean, I have, am mm -hmm. so lucky and so blessed. But what's made it so rich and wonderful is because of having all these people in my life, because relationships are everything, mm -hmm. especially with yourself. you got to get that mm -hmm. right, which isn't always easy. say that it's it's what I love the most about women athletes because that that we care so deeply about the world and society at large and social justice and 
you look at you know the fact that women are having to fight for their own rights equally important they're fighting for other people's rights right. all the time and the marginalized rights and it's something that you you know across leagues right from WNBA and all the social justice amazing work you Unbelievable. guys do to uh, yeah, but I, I, I knew the other sorry I'm interrupting yeah I knew the other leagues yeah like the WPL on those I used yeah. to go to their their games oops so you, a lot of times <laughs> but no but a lot of times leagues come and go they sure. just do but that's a beginning. Everyone says, oh, they didn't make it. I said, they are going to make it because of that. Right. It's a stepping stone. Each one of those continues, all right? Yeah. <laughs> no. It, but the fact that you've set this model for what being a female athlete is about. It's about winning. Absolutely. It's about standing on top of podiums. Absolutely. But your model, which has been the gift you will always give, is that it's about so much more. It's about people and relationships and communities and the marginalized and all these things that we should be collectively fighting for. Yes. But you've stood up first and say, I'm going to start this fight. Well, <laughs> it's all your turn now. My, my, my days are kind of over, but uh, well, not over, but it's, it's the youth and the ones younger than you uh, that you can influence. Um, but we also have fun, you know, <laughs> We really do have fun. I mean, I love the name of your show. Is that Lynn's fault? <laughs> right. Most of this is. Yeah. So I just want to thank you. But it's it's amazing how um, how it goes with each generation helping each other, and we're all connected because we're jocks. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we got that extra. We do. We have extra. We do. There's something magical about being an athlete. Mm. And I don't care what level either. Forget that stuff. <laughs> it's just, we have fun. And we love friendship. And we just love to help others. And, you know, we can be leaders or we can be great teammates. We can be supportive roles. We can be, we're very, I think someone said it earlier, adaptable. Champions adjust. Pressure's a privilege. Um, it is. It's a privilege. Amen. Love it. Ow! Give me the ball. <laughs> I want the ball. If Give you need a ball. It just so happens that I have a ball right here. It might be time for some competition. Let's go. Like this I failed miserably in every I time. I think you won last time, Billy. Billy, I Billy passed. last I didn't time win. we did a live podcast, she goes, oh, I don't play games. And then she was like this the whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I yo, I don't you like who don't play games over there. <laughs> It's officially time for the Lynn game, the most important the part. The Lynn game. The Lynn game is your, which squeaky you would like to squeak in with your answer. We have two choices here. Well, you know what I'm going to choose. Come on, give me the ball. <laughs> give me the ball. I mean, come on, I'm a jock. Now, Julie no? did choose these. Just so you're aware, this is like, this is, oh, you got to have some strong grip anymore. strength. Wait a minute. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Adaptability. I like it. Julie, you get the fuzzy yeah, pink bunny. So every Lynn game has what a theme. Really, in honor of you and how important history is, this game is Know Your History. All <laughs> about women's sports. It doesn't matter. I always forget everybody's name, so forgive me. It's I'll also say that one, that one. I know what she looks like. Oh, go ahead. It's multiple choice. Yeah. Squeak in whenever you think you know the answer. Yeah. Billy, okay. I know that, like, you, oh, I know I'm going to be you terrible, know. and then she, like, crushes me. No, but I don't me. know. I don't know. Best, Are, is this a competition? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> Look out. 
Best I got of, my elbow sharpened. Let's go. Okay, best of let's five go. wins. Let's go. Question one. Wilma Rudolph became the first American woman to win three gold medals in track and field during a single Olympics. What Olympics 1960, was it? 1960, Rome. Correct. Oh. <laughs> See? I love Wilma Rudolph. Are you kidding? I knew her. You guys, I have, I mean, see, I have an advantage because I'm I, older. I, I knew Wilma. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember. 1960 Rome. <laughs> Do you notice we have a Wilma Rudolph Courage Award? That's because we knew her. She came to our with us. She oh, was fantastic. God. Um, Julie, what's the score? A one to Bill to no, Kinger. No, we don't keep Z score here. Let's okay. have fun. Okay, <laughs> just for having fun. Oh no, we keep score. No, really. this is laughter per minute, man. <laughs> Question two: Where did WNBA legend Sue Bird go to college? A. Tennessee. B. Wait, Notre what Dame. Was the first one? Julie. What was UConn? Correct. Yeah, oh, yeah, she was UConn. Okay. Yes. Question. Didn't even need it. Thank you, Tosh. Uh, UConn's a really good guess. Percentage-wise, I think yeah, yeah. it's a winner. Good point. That also, Tennessee. she's from that area. Yeah, Question okay. three. Simone. One to one. We're keeping score. Simone Biles is now the most decorated gymnast in history. How many combined world and Olympic medals does oh, she have? God. I don't know. I don't either. I don't. Is, it, a, is it Oh, is go it ahead. A, 27, B, 30, or C, 34? Oh, my gosh. Let's Billy. Go 34. I don't know. Correct. Oh! <laughs> I wanted to give her the most. We've, we've, she's been to our dinner a couple of times. She's been great. Oh her my mom's great gosh, too. Her the, parents. Uh, yeah. And her place, where, if you want to go to work, she's great. She's got a great yeah. place going. Question four. Two Serena to one. Williams. Oh, two to one. Serena Williams won her first Grand Slam title in 1999. Yes, 99. <laughs> <laughs> she was, she was seven, 17 years old. I, like, I do like these players. You've got, you've got people I kind of know. Was it right or wrong? Wait, hang on. There's more. More? <laughs> Which Grand Slam did she win? U.S. Open. Correct. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, in is all that, fairness. Is that even no, fair? No, it isn't fair. Because right, thank you. Know you know why? We have Nandy Soccer. <laughs> Two to one. Two to one. It's not fair. But we're You've not keeping score. you very sweet to me. Thank you. This might be actually my favorite question I've ever asked. Because really? this is an example of when I, was, when I was a little girl, I read a book about this athlete. And that may have started my journey into loving women's sports. How old are you? Oh. 43. Go ahead. Question five. Legendary athlete Babe Diedrichsen Zaharias is known for winning two gold medals in track and field at the 1932 Summer Olympics and 10 L you guys are Golf, great. man. What? 10 LPGA major we championships. Yeah. What is Babe's first name? Is it A, Grace? B, Mildred, or C, Margaret? Mildred. Correct. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say Margaret, so I would have lost anyways. <laughs> I'm not going to do very well. That's the kinger. If, I am not going to do very well. If you have not heard of Babe Diedrichsen Zaharias, put it on your list to Google. Totally, yeah. please. Uh, Big time. In fact, I just the Associated Press... Not athlete of the year is named after her. FYI. Congratulations, you won. That's all there is no, for we, that we one. We had fun. I don't three care to about one. This oh God, this I would great. care. You better care. <laughs> no, I, no, I care about us. Just kick my. I ass, care about really. sports making it. Us getting more money. You're so for kind. Those, You're so kind. Come on. I care about the Lynn game. Okay. <laughs> I do. I care about the Lynn game because she created it. That's why. 
Uh, That's what's important. Most pressing questions. Kinger. True story. Okay. I was in New York City maybe seven, ten years ago having dinner with Alana and the Kinger. And as the Kinger does and Alana does, does they, they travel a lot and they're hitting everything. And I said to you, to you that dinner, I'm like, shit, sister, how do you do it? Like, how, how do you, like, keep up the energy levels and, like, you traveling all this? I, you know, I'm exhausted with my traveling schedule. I'm not doing half of what you're doing. And Alana goes, oh, my God. She goes, she goes to bed every night excited about what she's going to do the next morning. <laughs> so I, I want to know. Up, I stay up late. I want to know the last thing you do before you go to bed and the first thing you do when you wake up. First thing I do when I wake up is my blessing list. Oh. About the people in my life and, and thanking them. Like, I'll, I'll tell you the ones on the list all the time. Susan Williams asked me to play tennis in fifth grade, and I said, what's tennis? <laughs> so she's on my blessing list. Because <laughs> that changed my life, obviously. Because I'm a basketball beaut, and back in the, when I was young, we didn't have anything. So, I mean... I just said, what's tennis? I played baseball, football, softball, volleyball, track. I love running. I go, daddy, daddy, I'm going to run from Molly's tree to our tree. Time me, daddy, time me. I love running fast. I like to go fast. Anyway. And that's my, my blessing was really important. That's every day. And at night, besides brushing my teeth and all that kind of thing, I always dream about the what we can get done in the future, and I conceptualize a lot at night. I'll visualize what I want something to look like. That's how I started everything. Like, really? how do I want tennis to look like? It's not even close to what I want it to look like, by the way. I hate the way we do things. I hate our scoring. I hate the fact we don't have names on the back of the shirt. I hate the fact we don't have numbers. You want me to keep going? I can go <laughs> crazy. Yeah, because I, don't, I think we're, the way we do things, we don't get kids in it. Kids love numbers. Um, oh, so it's anyway, about the all those things. So I, I might be thinking about that, but that's that's my. But then you know the hockey league. We're getting the names right now. The general managers are now signed up. We're trying to start January. Lots going on. So I'm always thinking: Are we getting? And of course, I'm not doing the real work, which I know that. And I'm appreciative of the teams. I'm appreciative when we come in here, and the staff at the WSF. Uh, and everybody who's the leadership in, in the WSF. We're for, this is our 49th year. Uh, I'm very indebted to all of them, to Danette's leadership and Olga's leadership. Um, Olga's the one that introduced us uh, earlier. Olga's been amazing. Uh, so I never stop being inspired for so, by so many. People go, oh, who inspired you? It could be someone I just met, meet today. It could be Babe. You know, Dickerson, it could be anybody. Alice Marble was the one that helped me in tennis. Um, she was amazing. She was a former number one. But see, I love history, and I love to read about all the different athletes and players and all that. So I, that's what really makes me happy. Mm -hmm. I like to, I like to really think about them. And I love Law and get? Order. I, I, I'm a, law, law and order. <laughs> I'm a total, I put Law and Order, I go to sleep to Law and Order a lot. And any of them. I don't care which one. I love Law that. and Order, Law and Order of the Special Victims Unit, Law and Organized Crime. <laughs> and now they've done a new Law and Order on the old Law and Order. So I love them all. And hey, I oh always look for Law and Order. That's the and I put them on. And the greatest thing things I've to go to sleep you. to. I love Law and Order. 
my dad was a police officer and a firefighter. What do you think was my influence? And that's why I'm not a rule breaker. That's the second thing I've learned about you today. Right, you talk I, I, I found out this woman who has like shattered every rule out there and every barrier out there is a rule follower. Would you have thought the kinger? I am. She's a rule follower. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> Well, ask Alana. What did she say? She goes, she is. <laughs> she tries to get permission first. I was like, who does that? <laughs> you beg for forgiveness. Yeah, you, you said you just would go up and ask for forgiveness. Like, oh, what's the right thing to do here? How do I treat others the right way? You That's know, nice. If I were in their shoes, what would I be thinking? Maybe or at least try to, and then try to figure out how we can make this all work together. Because mm -hmm. everyone has to feel like they won in these situations. Yeah. How, how do I make it? Every faction, every group, every person feel like they're a part of it, number one, part of the team. And how, how can it make them feel like they won also? That's why you're so successful. That's why it works. Billy, can you please tell us what you think of crumbs and what? women settling for them? Oh, crumbs. Oh, I can't stand <laughs> it. Do not settle for the crumbs. <laughs> You should have the whole cake, the icing, and the cherry on top, too. Do not be happy with the crumbs. And ask for more. Women, every time in their job, when they, oh, they talked about it earlier, I think, on the, didn't they, on the panel, that you go to get an interview. First of all, most first jobs, particularly, are because of somebody you know. That's why relationships are so important. Then they go, and you don't ask for what you want. You just go, oh, thank you so much for the, what you're going to give me. <laughs> we go away. No. <laughs> Ask some questions. Tell them what you're good at. Ask for more. Because it's the first they found in research now, it's the first promotion you get is where we lose out. That's where it starts. We all kind of get the same at entry level, you know, men and women, all genders. But it's the first promotion is where we lose out. And once we lose there, we lose all the way up. So really think about that. So it's okay to ask for what you want and need. It's okay. You're worth it. Girls are taught to be perfect, and boys are taught to be brave. No one's perfect, and that's why we never have enough self-confidence, because we never think we're quite good enough. So throw that out the window right now. If, you're, if you've already thrown it out, great. And then believe in yourself and ask for what you want and need. And think big. Raise it up 10% or 20% or 30%. You go, oh, maybe I'll ask for this. Raise it up. Go up 30%. <laughs> What's the worst thing you can have? And they say no. And then you go, well, what can you offer me? Whatever. So believe in yourself. Give me the ball. Give Mm. <laughs> Give me the ball. I'm not kidding, though. We, we really have been socialized. Men and women have been socialized, and all genders have been socialized so poorly. Yeah. Well, boys can't be brave all the time. This is such baloney. High, low, cheer. Oh, boy. Before we did the high, high low, low, cheer, cheer of okay. your career, this is going to be the high of the Women's Sports Foundation the low of the Women's Sports Foundation. Yikes. And the cheer is for what you're grateful about what the Women's Sports Foundation has done. Start with the high. 
Or you I, could start I think with the, the highs right now because we're going to have the most successful uh, salute gala, gala dinner tonight. Tomorrow night. Sorry. I keep thinking it's tonight too. Me too. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we're sold out. In fact, more people want to come. We can't do it. We're over $2 million. Uh, 200 million. Whatever. Two, th- two million. Yeah. Which is good. Woo! But because we get so few dollars, really, if if you go to a men's dinner, like I know some famous guys and I go to their dinners, they always have a sugar daddy. So let's say they raise, let's say they raise two million. The sugar daddy's promised to match. So now they go away with four million. Mm-hmm. That never happens to us, to women. It always happens to the guys. I go to the guys' dinners. I see it every time. So we have to figure out how to get people to match monies and to that for whatever our, we're trying to do. But it's just amazing. The guys will always have a sugar daddy and we don't. I, I think maybe... I'll tell you came close. I think it's going to happen tomorrow night. Maybe, but Susan Morrison, who just passed, I went to her yeah. her funeral. It was an amazing funeral. She was an amazing person. Yep. She, I gave I gave the speech. Actually, I gave the speech one night. I went out and explained that what I just did to you. She did give us a million dollars. I'll never forget it. But she was an amazing human being. She did all kinds of different things and helped uh, different organizations. But I, I, for me personally. I think tonight, tomorrow night is going to be a lot about Susan because of how good she was to us. But I just love her as a person. Yep. You know, she's a good human being. And her kids are fantastic. And yeah. so uh, it was pretty exciting. I got to see a couple of people from the Women's Sports Foundation. But I think the next 50 years, oh, my, I cannot wait. Low? When we almost went bankrupt in 08, 09. Mm. And Catherine Olson came through huge time as our leader and just hung in there no matter what happened. Uh, that's when the financial crisis went on for so many. A lot of foundations went bye-bye. And as I said in our meeting then, I said, I don't care how we do this. We just have to make it. Because once this gets over, we can start climbing back up. Mm-hmm. And I must tell you, everybody stuck together just like the top players and all the players. It's the same. I'm telling you, if you stick together you can do it. And uh, that was the worst time by far. I thought we were going to lose it. And it's so important that we keep our Women's Sports Foundation because we've given over $100 million now um, to local programs, to others. Uh, but I really want the next 50 years to be a lot more than that that we can give to others and help. And especially girls of color and Paralympians and para-athletes and uh, LGBT, trans, just... Everybody, and everyone matters. Every human being matters. So I just, um, that's my prayer. And your cheer, finally. Yeah, give me the ball. What? Give me the ball. I just love to say that because it's <laughs> accepting responsibility. When you say give me the ball, it means you're accepting responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's what coaches love to hear. Coach, I'll take it. <laughs> Go ahead. What? Your cheer is for some Something you're grateful for that the Women's Sports Foundation has done or even someone or something? I'm probably not a good person to do this. Somebody out here is probably. No, you are the perfect person. Take the ball, Billy. Okay, coach. (laughs) Okay, coach. (laughs) 
It's something I'm thankful for. I just kind of went through my blessings list. Jeez <laughs> Louise. With the Women's Sports Foundation, what you're grateful for with that, what it, with what it's been able to do. That we've made the world a better place through sports for others. No question. Yes. Is that good enough? You took that ball and you ran. Or I you ran hit because it. of all of you. I've been feeling your vibes out there. I, am, uh, I try to feel what people are feeling, yeah. You have. You have. You've done that through the Women's Sports Foundation. You've done it through all the various things that you've been involved with. As I said, this thread that runs through women's sports. We are blessed, my friend, to have you in our lives. I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. My friendship with you and your mentorship of, of us has been the, the greatest gift I've ever thank had. Thank you, so. Fowdy Bowdy. You know what I feel about you guys. I love you. All right. I love you, too. Give love to your family, too. You have a, you have a great family. Aww, because you. of you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Billy. Awesome. An honor. It's all your fault. <laughs> it's all your no, fault. No, it is Lynn's fault, you guys. <laughs> she took her two years to convince this one to do this show, this podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Two I, years. Lynn yeah. had this idea. So just giving yeah. team, teamwork here. Props thank to you. Lynn. Oh, I love her so much. I do. I love her. I love her so much. Takeaways, Lynn. What do we got? I had this deep thought after the interview that Billie Jean King was put on this planet to change it for the better. And it just so happened tennis was the platform for that change. So Billie Jean mm-hmm. King isn't a tennis player who changed the world. She is a world changer who played tennis. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I do. Uh, my takeaway, um, I would really like like five days, but since we don't have <laughs> that, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, is that um, I always have loved my time with her, but I know my time with her is precious. Uh, she has got so many things on her plate and so many people um, that want her undivided attention that I'm just so, so grateful anytime I get a sliver of time with her and I'm going to make it a priority to get more of those in the future with her and Alana. We actually said, um, okay, next time we see each other, it's not for a live podcast. It's not in the middle of a gala. We're actually going to sit down and have a meal and chat. Yeah. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, because those times indeed are precious. She is a special one. Yeah. And your relationship is really special. Mm, yeah, I I just love her so much. Okay, questions permitted. All what right. What you got? This is an email we received from Heather Paglia. She writes, Hi, Julie and Lynn. I love Laughter Permitted. Such great conversations, and I love to laugh along with you. Julie, I know you are one of a large group of investors in Angel City, I know you attend many home games. Are you asked to do anything specific when you attend a game? I'm fascinated by this awesome pioneering group that you are a part of. I know how hard people like you and Abby have worked to give women a seat at the table. And I'm just curious what this adventure is like for you. Thank you both for all you do, Heather. Hmm. So anything specific you do yeah. at games. Uh, something is coming to mind to me, but I'll, I will let you <laughs> take it. Um, thank you for the question, Heather. Uh, and 
Billie Jean King is part of that group of investors. And so um, this is very timely. Um, what do we do at games? Well, this last game, um, I did an interview for a documentary they're doing on Armandine Henri, who's one of our players, who's a French legend, an iconic French player who um, we got to play with Angel City this year. Uh, I also did an interview... I can't remember what it was for. Another interview of some sort. <laughs> I don't know. I do a lot of interviews. Um, and uh, But the, honestly, the best thing I love about Angel City Games is that I get to go have myself a little Moscow mule mm-hmm. or a little beverage mm-hmm. and sit in the stands and cheer alongside a lot of other amazing women like Mia Hamm, Tisha Venturini, Shannon Mack, Joy Fawcett, Shannon Fox when she's in town, Abby, Glennon, um, and enjoy the game and just be a maniac yes. instead of having to work or call a game or do any of that. Yeah. I just get to scream like a maniac. I never yeah. get to do that. I think there's one specific thing that you haven't mentioned. Oh, I'm the wave starter. Yes. Yes. Facts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in about the 70th minute, usually people from section C, field level, which is where we sit, uh, which is the best section in the house, uh, turn around and say to me, it's time, Julie. And when they say it's time, it means it's time to start the wave. So we are the wave starters in section three. So I stand up. I do have a megaphone, but, I, but for some reason I've, feel like I shouldn't bring a megaphone because that would be a bad example to set. Um, but I uh, I start the wave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say about a good 70% of the time. I'm pretty successful after a couple times. I depends on the game. I feel honored that I was there for the very first time you started the wave at an Angel City game. And it's not as easy as you might think. It no. takes dedication. It takes some help from... And Abby Wambach. Yeah, joy on the other side. It's commitment mm-hmm. and a loud voice. Yeah, I don't, thank God I have some some vocal cords. It's really the only reason I was ever a captain. You just don't give up, though. That's the thing I've noticed when it comes to your wave starting. Mm-hmm. You do not mm-hmm. quit. There is no quit no. in your wave starting. No, and then I get mad at usually section D. <laughs> Who's next? Like, come on. <laughs> so then I make Joy run over there and get them fired up. Yeah. It's a, it's it's all about the teamwork. It's fun. Those games are so fun. Makes and us winning work. 5-1, which then qualified, we qualified for the playoffs. We got into the playoffs, was like one of the greatest games I've been to. Because we never really, you know, score a ton of goals. And so I we just kept cheering and screaming. And oh, my God. It was so fun. It was so fun. And we're... Angel City going to the playoffs, baby. We're playoffs bound. Let's go. Let's go. Good question. Good one, Heather. Thank you for that. And thank you, Dope Village, our dopest of villages, because we sure appreciate you hanging out with us. And just a reminder, if you like what you're hearing, please bring more friends into our fabulous village if they're not here already, because it it does it does matter when you spread the word, rate, rate us on our podcast subscribe all of that matters it really does so thank you for your support 
shout out as well to our sponsor sponsors, the great Ally and Dick Sporting Goods. And of course, to Kate Diaz for our theme music, which she wrote and composed. And as always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. Do not settle for the crumbs. You should have the whole cake, the icing, and the cherry on top, too.